On this episode of Commerce and Chill, we got a surprise for you. I was a panelist on the Laundromat Millionaire Conference discussing pickup and delivery strategies and tactics for the laundry industry. So we're going to be taking you behind the scenes throughout the whole conference and give you a special sneak peek into what went down before it even airs anywhere else. So join us on this episode of Commerce and Chill. Comment below and let us know what you think. Walid Cope also joining us. Walid's an entrepreneur, investor, and small business advisor who has developed multi-million dollar businesses based in New York. Walid has 30 years of laundry experience. Is that true? This feels like a lie. You're not old enough to have 30 years of, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. Well, easy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he's got the soapbox, and it's a premier laundry dry cleaning experience, sneaker cleaning, which I could probably use actually. Uh, enterprise in the region. He has leveraged social media to build a dynamic network and other small business owners and subject matter experts. Walid welcomes the opportunity to share his insights so the industry as a whole can grow together. And again, quite the janky bio here. First of all, there's lies in it, and second of all, also a former podcast. Uh, yes, but also he's got his own podcast. I've been trying to plug this thing all day. So maybe you should just take out your phones, open your Apple podcast app and subscribe to the Converse and Chill podcast or get on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel genuinely or Instagram. Genuinely, they, uh, he and his wife are, they're creating crazy good content and also crazy amounts of content there. So you guys are doing uh, some crazy stuff and it's business ownership and general stuff, right? Uh, you guys are killing it. I follow your stuff. I like all your stuff. I comment. Love it. Uh, I don't know. Should we go easy or should we give them a layup here or should we like just slam them right now? Slam. <laughs> Dude, these guys are rough. Uh, okay, so what did you guys disagree with with what Dave said? <laughs> That's a genuine question. I really want to know. <laughs> uh, Waleed, I know you're going to have some kind of opinion somewhere. Uh, so let's hear, let's hear what, you, what, what you have to say about what Dave said. So, Jordan, first of all, disagree is such a strong word. Like, okay, <laughs> what of what Dave said did you hate? <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm feeling it. Okay. <laughs> so I wouldn't say disagree. And one point that's come up in a lot of conversations that we've had this week is there's one paintbrush that's being used to paint the industry. When we look around this room, all this week, you talk to everybody, there is no one consistent model. And everybody needs to understand that. What works for Dave, what works for Ross, what works for Alex, what works for Steve, what works for Brandon, what works for everybody in here might not work in my market. You need to know your market, take something from Dave, take something from Ross, take something from Alex, take something from Steve, and see how that fits your market and then shoot to the moon with it. There's no reason I need to disagree with anything Dave says. He might say something and be like, I don't know, whatever numbers he put on, on the screen. And it, I plug it into my market, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but I'm not going to disagree with it. I need to figure out and look at the equation that Dave used, not the numbers, and say, how does that equation plug into my world? So sorry, Jordan, I couldn't bring the hate for you. But, 
No, that's good. It was a, it was a <laughs> trap, and you you averted it. No, but I mean, okay. I just yeah, awesome. Well, let's let's. I mean, dude, let's just do it. Let's talk about how you guys all have sucked over the years, <laughs> and uh, no, but let's talk about some of these lessons, these learning lessons. But let's start kind of on the bigger, kind of broader scale. I know you have like a, a little bit broader of a perspective too. Like what what mistakes do you see? Because I think you know I, I hear a lot of kind of two things, right? Like pickup and delivery can take your business to the next level. It can really like, you know, you can you can do like tens of thousands of dollars more, you know, a month, you know, adding pickup and delivery. And yet, I think even Dave said this at one point or another, I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, but I think he even said that, you know, a lot of people who start out in pickup and delivery, and Dave even, right, lose money, you know? So it doesn't do you any good to do 30,000 extra dollars of business if you're spending 35,000 extra dollars a month, right? So uh, so there's there's things to learn. And so these mistakes, these learning lessons are, I think, probably even more important uh, in the pickup and delivery space. So what kinds of th- mistakes do you see people making? Waleed, I want to ask you too, but maybe real quick, because you have a, a kind of a unique model that you're doing. Can you Can you kind of just describe a little bit about how you're running pickup and delivery right now? Totally. But, you know, before I answer that, your question was what mistakes we see people making. And from this week, just being in the industry, the biggest one I see, we all wait too long. I heard Sharon say it yesterday. She's like, I wish I'd have done it sooner. Like every one of us in here has like some idea or some feature or something you want to do with your business. And like you're thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking about it. Like, I'm so guilty of it. Like, I will pencil it in my notebook over and over instead of just launching it and fixing it as you go. It will never be perfect. Like, we're entrepreneurs. Things are supposed to break, and our job is to figure it out and fix it really freaking fast. So, yeah, mistakes. So, um, pickup and delivery. we're, We're a little unique. We're in the New York, Brooklyn market. We only do pickup delivery and drop off. We have a retail storefront. I'm probably gonna like blow everybody's mind. We're 700 square feet. And we're rocking and rolling. All day, every day, seven days a week. Walk-in customers, excuse me, walk-in clients come in, drop off, and we run pickup and delivery seven days a week. We do 12 hours from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And we have zero drivers. We're 100% gig economy pickup and delivery. And we've been doing it for seven months straight. So everyone that's telling you, like, don't use the gig economy. You can't use Uber, DoorDash, et cetera, et cetera. They're puffing smoke. And I'm just telling you like it is. I've ran the store for seven months. We went from 13 employees, six drivers, we have four team members. We're super lean. Expenses, what are they? I have no more drivers. But I'm not saying the end all be all is the gig economy. We're testing it. We're bringing on two more drivers again next week. It's a tool in your toolkit. You can do so much more with it. But I'm sure that'll come up in other questions, but that's kind of our unique story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, the reason I wanted you to kind of explain your, you know, your model a little bit, because it's so different, right? Like we think of, 
you know, when we think of pickup and delivery, a lot of times we think of having a store and, you know. I mean, we had a store. Yeah. We were full self-service, laundromat, walk-in, drop-off. And we realized we're serving two different avatars, as Dave mentioned earlier. We had a a walk-in, drop-off client who values time. And then we had the self-service client who doesn't mind sitting there three hours, bring their family, you know, do whatever in the laundromat and get their laundry done. And we sat there and watched people bump into each other. The attendant is taking care of a machine and somebody's waiting to get their drop off for like, you know, four minutes. Our average client waits now for 45 seconds tops, drop off, pick up, and they're out the door. And 45 seconds, we're losing our minds at 45 seconds. Like, what's taking so long? So we went from self-service, we started doing pickup and delivery, and I swore I would never do pickup and delivery. I'll say it on camera, I swore I would never do it, and that's all we do. And we ended up phasing out our self-service and going 100% pickup and delivery and drop-off. I had a question for the gentleman that only does drop-off. Uh, what, what's your store name in, in New York? The soapbox. The soapbox? Okay. Or I can write it down. Uh, and then, do you think it's the future of laundry in general? I mean, I, I guess in urban areas, it's probably the future. But, I mean, h- how big do you think a city has to be or an urban core has to be where it can be successful? Great question. My answer is, it's my future. I have no idea what everybody else's future is. I'm not Nostradamus. I can't predict the future. But I I know what we're doing. I know what feels right for us. And I know what our data and our market says. Where are you from? Uh, Austin, Texas. But downtown, I kind of want to do something similar, like a smaller store. Right. Where it was, I I just don't see as many self-serve. I see a lot of people working from home. And they just, you know, they want everything on demand. I I don't know how to explain it. I'm sorry, what's your name? Uh, Alex. Alex. So you're in Austin, Texas. Look at your market. Like, Get the data, get, the, get all the demo you can. Don't overanalyze it. Figure out what, what you want to do in the laundry space and then go for it. If, you, if you, you're, you feel that way and your data and your market shows that most people are going to be home because how COVID, like COVID has turned everybody's markets upside down. Right. Like I can't tell you how many times we've pivoted. It's every time I, we see something change, I come home, I'm like, Jess, X, Y, and Z. And she's just like, Get the checkbook. Like, <laughs> that comes yeah. You need to talk to my wife because that's not what she says to me. Like, like I'm, I'm just so lucky. Like she, she supports that. She gets it. Like I don't, we have, we've been married since 2015. We haven't gone on a honeymoon yet. A honeymoon, we opened the laundromat the next day. We got married on Friday, opened the laundromat on Saturday. So I say that to say like that worked for us. Yeah. Look at the demo in your area. Look at do you want to do pickup? If you feel that most of your clientele is going to be at home working because they're still doing the Zoom thing, then set up that pickup and delivery and and run it lean. Like you can do pickup and delivery and you don't need all these bells and whistles. Honestly, you can give me $1,000 and I can start pickup and delivery in your neighborhood. It doesn't take much. Do you send the laundry off and then also do you have dry cleaning along with with, uh, pickup and delivery? So we have three revenue streams. Okay. We do wash and fold, we do dry cleaning, and we do sneaker cleaning. That's it. So we've got you head to toe. I, I won't do anything else because it, it fits. I like that. And we're comfortable with it. Like, and we love that. So 
people have approached us and it's like, oh, you know, you, you should, I don't know, like clean carpets and sofa cushions or what, well, let me take that back. I'm thinking about sofa cushions. Like, <laughs> there's a market for that when the weather changes, trust me. Um, but yeah. Thank you so much. No, my pleasure. Thank you. A quick question. How, how do you go about recruiting the gig drivers? What's your name? Roger Heldman with, uh, I'm from Cincinnati. So we, we don't recruit the, the gig drivers. So the way it works, um, we place an order. Think, think of your local restaurant, like Postmates, DoorDash shows up, or Uber Eats. It's whoever accepts the job. But here's the catcher, and people are going to say this all the time. You have no control over the quality of the gig worker. 100% true. I'm not even going to sit here and blow any smoke to you. You can't control it. But let's be clear. Control is an illusion. You don't even control half the employees that work for you. You think you do, but you don't. You build a relationship with them, and you're trying to guide them to do what you need to do for your business to be successful. But here's the key with the gig economy. You have to treat them like they're part of your team. So I'll give you a great example. You come into the lobby. First, we have a big sign outside that says, all dashers, please come inside. Go, go to the next time you're at a restaurant or you're anywhere and a gig economy worker comes in. Watch how that establishment treats them. Why would you treat someone who's taking your product to someone's home? And most of the time, it's food. Like, I'm more scared of somebody delivering my food than my laundry because I'm putting that in my body. So, but look how they treat them. You come into our lobby after they see the sign, they come in. We have a refrigerator and we have a snack station set up just for all of our dashes. They get free snacks every time they come in, water and juice. And they appreciate that more than anything. And then when they pick up from us and come back the second or third, I've got dashes show up four or five times a day, the same person. We've built a relationship with them. Like, and we keep thinking of what are these other things we can do for dashers or Uber, like, you should see my Uber bill for last month because we had so many screws with deliveries and I had to put it in an Uber and deliver it. What we do, we treat them as they're an extension of our family. So to answer your question, you, know, you can't choose, but when the person shows up, you treat them as their extension of your team and they will treat your product a certain way. But the other piece is you're gonna get bad drivers. Depending on what platform you use that has an integration with it, you have the ability to rank, to rate that driver, and you can report for what they did, and you have the ability to make sure they never receive a job from your establishment again. So if you have that one bad experience, you get them blocked. Problem solved. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, I'm Tony from Arizona. I'm here with my father-in-law. We're, we're new. Uh, we've got two locations. Um, and uh, we do wash and fold already. We haven't even been open a year. Uh, believe it or not, we're on our second pickup drop-off platform. And so my question is for the, the panelists, what, if you could tell us what platform you're using, what technology you're using for pickup and delivery, and what you like about it, and why you chose it. We've tried and demoed everything, like clean tie, sudsy, curbside, starch up, Dark POS, smart. The only thing we haven't looked at or used is spot. And I would say to anyone, one, you need to look at 
Steve brought up a good point. You need to look at what's your business model, but what's going to be your client's experience with it. We've used web-based ordering. We've app pros and cons for every one of them. You got to figure out what's best for you and your business. What I would add to that is what Steve said. Talk to all of them. They'll talk to you. But when you're speaking with them, listen to them. Are they telling you what you can't do with your business that you have to do only with their software? Are they telling you you need to, and they're not telling you directly, are they telling you like subliminally, you need to change your business model to fit their software? No SaaS product is gonna ever be 100% for what you need. They can't be everything to everybody. So you really have to dig in and look at them and see, does this fit your model? At one point, we used two platforms at the same time. We did double entry all day long. We had Clean Cloud for the counter, and we did Starch Up for pickup and delivery. And you talk about chaotic, but it worked because one platform had what we needed for pickup and delivery, but one had what we needed for in the store. So seven months ago, give or take, after a year, maybe in a half long, like a year courtship, we switched 100% um, over to Sense. Um, and we run our pickup and delivery and our walk-in business off of it now for the past like seven months. Hey guys, uh, Pat from Connecticut. Um, it seems like there's a pretty straightforward formula to measure like opportunity for self-service. And you guys talk a lot about demographics, knowing your market and stuff like that. What are you doing to evaluate the like pickup and delivery opportunity on top of the self-service? Who wants to take that? Well, I can't say on top of self. Well, we used to do self-service, but if you you're talking and let me make sure I understand your question. You're you're trying to gauge if I'm going to do pickup and delivery. What is my opportunity if I do it in X county or X neighborhood yeah. or zip code? It's a great question. And listen, there's no magic, there's no silver bullet. And that's what a lot of us, un, we know as operators, but sometimes we just don't let ourselves process that. It's lead bullets. You gotta keep doing it over and over and over. But what I would say is we started super small. When we did pickup and delivery, we looked at other shops, and I'm not even gonna say competitors, because if you're my competitor, that means I operate from a scarcity mentality. The neighborhood that I live in, our stores in, and I grew up in, proper, exact boundaries, there are 150,000 residents. 150,000 residents in just my neighborhood. And granted, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. It's like we're on top of each other, we're vertical. But you go to the suburbs, it's horizontal. But if you looked at, let me back up. What I see a lot of op operators doing, and I was guilty of it in the beginning, is they want to throw this big net and catch a whole bunch of fish and drag it on a boat, and then you got to sort through it. We said, wait a minute. Back in the day, I'm so going to date myself. There was a company called MCI. I, I urge everyone in here to look up the case study on how they grew their business. And MCI was back in the day when there was long distance phone calls, you had to get like calling cards, you had a long distance service. Like some people are nodding their heads and smiling, the rest of you are like, what is long distance calling? <laughs> like this guy must be 100 years old. 
Um, and they started very small. And they saturated the market. And they took the profits from that market. And then they went to the neighboring market. And we used that model. So we started in Bedford-Stuyvesant in our neighborhood where I knew the backyard. I knew backyards. I knew the neighborhood like the back of my hand. And we went old school. We went flyers. We went billboards. And we saturated that market first. And truth be told, I still haven't saturated. There are 150,000 people. If 50,000 people placed an order once a week, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. Because I would have flew in on my private jet five minutes before. <laughs> I shouldn't say sitting here. I wouldn't have been here all week. I'd have flew in just before 9.50, shook Dave's hand, hug him. I'd have jumped on the panel, answered a couple of questions, and back on the jet to go somewhere else. We aren't even, we're, we're, there is so much untapped potential in our markets. Yeah. What we're not using, ladies and gentlemen, is the data. Like, we're, we're valuing the real estate, the, the washers, the dryers, and all that. The most important and profitable, not profitable, the most valuable thing in your store is the data in your, and I'm going to say POS because that's what the terminology is used, but my, my business management system for my store, the data in it is way more important. If the soapbox blows up today while I'm here on stage and having a great time with everybody here, I'll go download my client list, I'll email and text them all tomorrow. We're down the block at this new building, drop off your clothes there, and my pickup and delivery customers, they don't care where I am. So answer your question, I would look super niche, look, get the, look at Zillow, look at all the free stuff where you can get demographics. How, how often do homes sell in the neighborhood? Like, get all that data, it's free, look at it, that's the area you want to be in. That's the type of clientele. What's the net worth of the neighborhoods that we service? I'll give you one even better. How many people know the top 20% of their clients that use, their, use your service? 80-20 rule. 20% of our clients are driving 80% of our revenue. How many of us know 20% of our clients, who our 20% are? Raise your hands. Six, seven people raise their hands, and maybe a few are, don't want to do it, so maybe like 15 people. Like, I challenge you when you leave here to go home, download the data from your POS, business management software, or your Square, whatever you use, and put in a CSV file, put in a spreadsheet, and look at the numbers. You'll be shocked. And you're probably marketing to the wrong people. So I answered your question, but I'm sorry, I just went off on a total tangent. Because I'm so passionate about like we're, how we're not using data in the laundry industry. Guys, first, thanks for being open and honest. It's been pretty cool so far this morning. Um, curious if the panel could share at all your thoughts on presentation to the end customer. There's lots of fold options. Do you offer different fold options? If, if a customer accidentally loses socks, because we know we all lose socks, do we respond to the customer in some way that we've lost socks? Um, just curious how you handle that. Plastic bags versus canvas bags, your own bag. Um, what are some of the ideas, thoughts, how are you guys approaching that part of the market, if you could? Presentation, I'd say this. What are you doing every day to wow your client? Presentation is everything for us. We, we do exactly what Ross said. We double bag everything. It's in a plastic bag, so it's square, protects it from the elements when it goes out, and then we take it a step further. Uh, we put a card, like uh, Ross said, inside the bag, 
has a QR code on it. Like, how many people use texting? Just curious. And not to text the client to say your order's ready, but like for marketing and communication. So. Right. So we have a, a card. We put two cards in every order. One card has a QR code. On the back, it says, thank you. And on the, the front side of it, it says, how can we, what can we do better? They scan the QR code. It opens up text messaging on their phone. And it sends them a survey of like five questions, like which service did you use, sneaker, laundry, dry cleaning, like what, how, did, how would you rank it, one to five, couple other questions, and then the last one is open-ended. What, what can we do to better your experience? And then the caveat is everyone that fills out a survey, they get entered into a weekly uh, contest to get a $25 gift card from us. And the system does this all automatically, so midnight, Every week, at the end of the week, it chooses the winner. It texts the winner, congratulations, you're the best. The soapbox loves you. It texts all the, the ones that lost. Like, I'm sorry, try, you know, fill out the next survey. Like, we'll enter you in the next contest. Then some of you are like, $25 gift cards, Waleed. I'm, I'm not buying those every week. Like, you're crazy. Like, New York is some crazy market. I don't spend a penny. I take my business card, which I heard Ross say, and one of his uh, webinars, I believe, with Jordan. And we take the points, and we buy gift cards, and we give them back. And we use the, the company card to buy the supplies. Like, it, it's a simple equation. They get a text. When they win, there's a link. They click it. I took every page from my bank that says what gift card you can buy. It's like eight, nine pages. And they get to scroll through 200 types of gift cards and choose what they want. They're blown away by it, right? Socks. How many people roll socks so they just lay them flat in the bag? We do. Both. Socks are your opportunity. Ross said, you know, somebody complained about a lost sock. Socks are your opportunity to blow your clients away. Like most shops, they just lay them flat in the bag or they ball them up to match them, which kudos, you matched them. But the elastic gets stretched and then their socks look all droopy later on when they're walking down the street. And who are they going to blame? You! But when you buy socks, how do they look? The first thing we always look at is, when someone buys clothing, how does it look? Like, go to your department stores one day. Any, TJ Maxx, high-end, low-end, I don't care. Look at how they present the clothes to you to purchase. There's a science behind that. They position colors of clothing, and they fold it a certain way to entice you. Your orders should mimic what they do in retail shops. We match every sock, fold it, lay it flat. We have a custom sock band that's made from a printing company. And we wrap it around the socks. It says, thank you, has our logo, and all of our social media icons. People take pictures of their socks and post it on their Instagram. <laughs> Can you believe that? The team hits me up and says, Colt, we've got like three clients on Instagram today and their stories and they've got our socks. We're gonna repurpose that and repost it and share it with everybody. I'm like, go for it. Socks, like think about it, like wow the customer. Like what else can you do to wow the customer with your presentation? Comforters, sorry guys, comforters. You got like 30 seconds, get it out. Okay, comforters which I think is a huge money maker, and I bet you we're all sleeping on comforters. Here's a tip for everybody. 
We can talk about it later. Get batch texting, which means you can text your whole client base at one time. Comforters, divide your lists into quarters. Text every segment of your list, one quarter first, one quarter second, third and fourth, every couple months. Hey, the National Sleep Association says you should clean your comforters X amount of times due to, for health reasons. You will make more money dry cleaning and washing comforters alone. Like niche down, totally niche down. We take comforters, they go in a bag, comforter bag, cleaner supplies. I don't know, they're like what, a buck ten, depending how many you buy. You can probably get them for cheaper. If you can get them. Right. <laughs> go to Uline. Go to Uline. I'll tell you everywhere I go to Uline and order them. Cleaning supplies don't have it, go to Uline. They got them, and their quality is better. You heard it from me. I said it on camera. Hopefully, clean supply doesn't cut off my supply next week. And wrap it with a bow, put it in a bag, it's clear, which in, and give it to him. Go, Jordan. Sorry, sorry.